Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com/fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com/fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. There are a lot of great cool season vegetables that you can start right now. For those of you who worry about a midfall frost or freeze grinding your garden to a halt, or maybe you just want to grow vegetables in a hurry, Today's show features a selection of healthy edibles that'll give you a harvestable cool season crop in under 60 days. Are you growing vegetables in containers? The size of that pot is of utmost importance, and we have tips for you. Also, the plant of the week, it's the oleander shrub. Yes, it is poisonous, but it is also one of the best privacy screens that you can plant. It's all on episode 129 of the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, brought to you today by Smart Pots and Dave Wilson Nursery. And we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. Well, as August turns into September, you may want to put in another crop of something, but maybe you live in an area where frost or freezes start happening, perhaps mid to late November. I'm talking about USDA Zone 7 and 8. Here in USDA Zone 9, we can pretty well grow cool season crops all the way through without worrying too much about frosts or freezes, even though we do have them. But let's talk about some quick-growing cool season vegetables for those of you who are watching the clock and realize, well, maybe I only have about three more months to grow something. What can I grow in that time frame? Let's talk with Quentin Young. He's the manager of Fair Oaks Boulevard Nursery here in the Sacramento area. Quentin, there are a lot of things that people can grow that would be naturally protected from a frost, and they're growing underground. Uh, yeah, so a lot of your root vegetables, things like carrots, beets, radishes, those would be really easy to do right now. Radishes, you can sometimes get those ready in about 45 days. And there are some carrot varieties too, 50, 60 days, especially the shorter varieties. And of course, there's other root crops you can plant for the long run that you wouldn't harvest until later the following year, like uh, onions and garlic. Yeah, onions and garlic, and we'll have some of the hard neck garlic, and those do really well in what are referred to as cold, hostile climates, and I'm getting those actually from Idaho, so they do fine here. All right, you know, one of the best sources of information about growing garlic comes out of the University of Minnesota. Yeah, they do really well with that climate, and so like I said, I'll have soft neck and hard neck, I'll have onions, and I'll have shallots, and they're just really easy to grow. What is a shallot? A shallot is um, a less pungent onion. It grows a little bit different th differently than you would grow an, an onion, but basically you plant it the same. You just have to give it a little bit more room, um, and it's really popular with a lot of home chefs. Exactly. It looks like an undersized onion, an undersized torpedo onion. But uh, they are very tasty. Some recipes call for it. And uh, my wife is always uh, getting after me to, uh, you know, plant some for that one or two recipes per year she wants them. Yeah, and they're used a lot, too, in a lot of, um, a lot of Asian recipes where they recall, call for shallots as opposed to onions or garlic. Um, but they're used a lot in European cooking. It's a milder onion flavor, not as strong, not as pungent. All right. And I guess a couple of other uh, long-term things that people can put in. August, September, even early October would be like turnips and beets. 
Turnips, beets, um, kohlrabi, rutabagas. I mean, there's there's a whole range of brassicas that would do well um, with frosts. All right, but getting back to short-term cool-season crops that you can plant, uh, let's say, in late August and be harvesting before the first killer frost in November if you live in Zone 7 and 8, I'm thinking greens. All your greens, all your lettuces, your kale, your chard. We have radicchio now. Um, All of those would do great. Explain a little bit about lettuce. Head lettuce versus leaf lettuce. What is better for the home gardener? I think a lot of it comes down to what do you like to eat. I like leaf lettuces because you can usually go out and just pick, let's say, a bundle of leaves and not have to worry about um, when the head lettuce is going to form a head. But a lot of it just depends on what you like to eat. Yeah, and there are a lot of great uh, loose leaf varieties, too, of lettuces, very colorful as well. You've got uh, reds, greens, you've got purples, you've got mottled leaves, you've got speckled leaves. Um, To me, they all taste great. Um, And every year they're coming out with some that are more cold tolerant, some that are more heat tolerant. So, again, check your local nursery. We try to carry a lot of different greens here, um, especially in the wintertime. Um, Just because, to me, you can eat so much more of the plant for your fall garden than you do in your summer garden. One of the um, biggest frustrating things for us here in California, because we love our salsa, and we can grow the tomatoes and onions and garlic and, and harvest them together, but cilantro is a little different. Cilantro prefers a cool season and... uh um, we're standing next to a flat of cilantro here, and I just love the aroma. Yeah, and I always try to bring in in a little bit later. Um, we, you know, people always want it in the summer, but we always tell them it's going to bolt pretty quickly, so you need to harvest it fairly quickly. Um, but we do bring it in now. We've got parsley, we've got tarragon, we've got the Vietnamese coriander, we got lemongrass, we got all kinds of stuff. One uh, great idea a cilantro grower over in the Bay Area gave me, and it makes a heck of a lot of sense for those who insist upon having cilantro in the summer area here, is grow it from seed, grow it in flats in the shade, harvest it when it's only an inch or two tall, and just keep on planting flats every few weeks. Yeah, that's a great idea. We usually recommend um, parsley, cilantro, dill, basil, what I refer to as sort of the soft leaf herbs. All of those will do better long term in Sacramento in the shade. What do you need to successfully grow like that? If you're growing, say, microgreens or just short season greens, what and you're planting from seed, what's the best way to go about that? Um, Obviously, you need a good potting soil, but I usually would recommend things like that, that you grow them up on something so that they're easier for you to access and they're not so easy for insects and animals to get to. So things like flats or containers, even flower pots. But most of my greens and things, I like to have them higher up because they're easier to get to. I've even seen things like that grown in hanging baskets. Um, That way you can really protect them. And you can protect them from birds and rats and squirrels by just throwing a row cover over it. Yeah, that'll help too. We have some row covers inside. They're usually about 10 to 20 feet long. You can make your own. Um, That's a good way, especially when the um, cabbage whites and sulfur moths start showing up soon. Yeah, we should point out that it is summer and you're planting cool season crops. And if you're doing it from either young transplants or from seed, then you're going to be hit by summer pest problems, aphids and whiteflies. And a row cover can uh, solve a lot of that. Uh, Yeah, definitely. Um, Especially with aphids. Aphids and whiteflies get really bad here at the end of the summer.
Right. But if you want to play that game and take it up a notch, you could get something like what we're standing next to called a vegetable garden kit, a Vegapod vegetable garden kit. Now, this is I, I've, I've seen raised beds on rollers on, on tables with wheels. But this is interesting because it has a top to it, a sort of a, a, a shade cloth top. And the inside, it's about, what, three feet by three feet, and it's self-watering. And all you got to do is it's on a hinge, and you close the top, and whatever you've planted in containers is protected. Yes, yeah, pretty much completely enclosed. Um, it's got this kind of permeable, permeable mesh on the top um, that lets in light and air and water if you wanted to water it that way, but it does come with its own irrigation system. And it also comes with a shade cloth, too, so you can protect it even more in the summer. You can buy it with a stand. You can buy it with wheels, so it's easy to move around. These were developed in Australia, and they seem to do really well here. Yeah, according to the label, it protects uh, uh, gardens from bandicoots. Yeah, bandicoots and wallabies. <laughs> Very important here. And what's nice, too, about the top, it's, it's not a flat top. It's a domed top. So the crops that are growing here can probably get, what, about two and a half feet tall? About two and a half feet tall. Look, it looks, reminds me of a covered wagon, the ones that, you know, when the settlers came west. Right, and it's on wheels, so you can move it around, and uh, it makes a heck of a lot of sense. I really like that. It's, again, it's called the Vegapod Vegetable Garden Kit. Uh, I'll have a link to it in today's show notes here. All right, we've talked about growing greens. We've talked about the root crops. What about broccoli and cauliflower? Those aren't really short-season, cool-season crops, are they? They're not short season, but you can still grow them here in our zone, Zone 9. What I usually recommend, um, especially for the broccoli, are what we call the multi-sprouting broccoli. So that way you're not waiting for that one large central head to develop. You have lots of little side shoots, and you can sort of pick them earlier and pick them more often. And they usually will come in um, two main colors, green and purple. Um, but they're often referred to as a sprouting broccoli, so we always try to carry those as well. There are aphid magnets, so use row covers. Use row covers, and that's what I like about the sprouting broccoli is that because you can pick them earlier, um, you're not going to go out there one day and just kind, kind of find them completely covered with aphids like sometimes you do with the cauliflower, the central head cauliflower and broccoli. So the sprouting broccoli, is that also called broccolini? No. So those are going to be, you've got your um, broccolini and your broccoli rob. Um, those are slightly different. Um, the sprouting broccoli um, is actually, it's almost like you're picking miniature broccoli heads. They're just little side shoots. But we will also have broccolini and broccoli rob as well. And of course, if you are starting a cool season garden in late August, you'll still have heat to contend with uh, no matter where you live, uh, probably through early September. So uh, stay up on your uh, watering regimen. Stay up on your watering. Um, definitely re-amend your beds. Don't forget to re-fertilize. Get them started um, ready again for the fall. Um, and then hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll have a nice wet winter um, and that'll help with your irrigation. Some other greens that you may want to consider that are short season because uh, you can harvest them as they grow would be something like spinach and arugula, a lot of varieties of spinach. Lots of varieties. You'll have sort of what's referred to as oriental spinach. You have the wrinkled leaf, the smooth leaf, the arugulas. They have some really nice ones. Some of them are a little bit more mild. Um, sometimes we'll carry a variety called wasabi, which is a really hot um, arugula. And arugula and spinach do much better in the cool weather. They bolt really quickly. Um, in the summer here. What about bok choy, joy choy, pak choy, those Asian greens? They are so tasty. They're really tasty. Those actually, um, another one that's a really short season for harvesting. 
Um, you can pick the leaves or pick the whole head, but we'll have all those different choice. Um, there's a lot, quite a few other Asian greens like Mizuna. So if you're thinking about starting a cool season garden, quit thinking and start getting ready and planting, especially if you live in zone seven and eight for your uh, shorter season, cool season vegetables that we've been talking about. And here in zone nine, just uh, spend this part of August amending your soil and then September you can start uh, planting in earnest. Quentin Young has been with us, Fair Oaks Boulevard Nursery here in the Sacramento area. Q, thanks for some great advice. Thanks for having me on, Fred. We're glad to have Smart Pots on board supporting the Garden Basics podcast. Smart Pots are the original award-winning fabric planter. They're sold worldwide. Smart Pots are proudly made 100% in the USA. I'm pretty picky about who I allow to advertise on this program. My criteria, though, is, is pretty simple. It has to be a product I like, a product I use, a product I would buy again. And Smart Pots clicks all those boxes. They're durable, they're reusable. Smart Pots are available at independent garden centers and select Ace and True Value stores nationwide. To find a store near you, visit smartpots.com Fred. It's Smart Pots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to smartpots.com Fred for more info and that special Farmer Fred discount on your next Smart Pot purchase. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred. We like to answer your garden questions here on the Garden Basics Podcast. We bring in our favorite Q&A girl. Can I call you a girl? Is that okay? That's fine with me. All right, good. Debbie Flower, retired college horticultural professor who has faced many horticultural queries in her time. And uh, I would think as a college horticulture professor, you've heard everything from very basic things to very complicated questions. Right. Sure. You know, students take – I taught introduction to horticulture for like 25 years yeah. and and it's an introduction and I don't expect them to know anything. So, so lots of questions. And what people I think need to learn how to do is observe. Right. My favorite – and I won't call it a dumb question. It's a it's a question that if you've never done it before, how would you know? Mm-hmm. Or if you've never paid attention before, how would you know? Mm-hmm. But it was a, it was somebody who lived back east. I believe it was in one of the outer boroughs of New York, who had lived in an apartment uh-huh. their whole life. All of a sudden, they're in a home, and the question is: I just bought a bare root tree. Which end do I stick in the ground? Oh wow. So, and, and there are nurseries still around that sell true bare root. They're not in containers. If you go out and, and pluck a bare root tree in late winter, early spring out of a bed of sawdust, mm-hmm. and you've got roots Some on the roots bottom. roots on the bottom and, and, and a, a stick, stick on top. And a stick, yeah. yeah. So, and then that could be a, a very legitimate question. Yes. Yes. There yeah. are no stupid questions. Thank you. And, yeah, the roots go in the ground. The, mm-hmm. the, the, those hairy parts that look like a spider. Well, not a spider, but <laughs> you know what I mean. All right. So anyway, uh, we have all sorts of questions. And there are, like we say, there are no dumb questions. Feel free to write us, call us with your questions, whatever they may be. Yeah. And you can do it in a number of ways. You can leave an email, send it to fred at farmerfred.com. You can text us. At 916-292-8964, you can call us and leave a question at 916-292-8964. 
or you could go to speakpipe.com slash garden basics and leave a question there. Just yell at your phone. It'll pick it up and send it to me. Speakpipe.com slash garden basics. Now, this person, though, didn't yell at us. They left us a question uh, in the comment section of Apple Podcasts. Fair enough. I like that. They didn't leave a name, though. They left a series of emojis. It's it's two uh, blowing kisses, three thumbs up, and three ice cream cones. Ice cream. They like ice cream, apparently. Ice cream. My dad loved ice cream. So, he, do you have a name for this person, then? Frank. Frank. We'll call him Frank. Was that After your dad? my dad, yeah. Okay. And he, he was a professor at Rutgers in New Jersey, so. Oh, okay. Appropriate. And, all right. So, we'll call him Frank. The question is, I have a carrot plant and a spinach plant, but they aren't growing I have them in a pot that is four inches in diameter. I have another spinach plant that's growing in a nine and a half inch diameter pot. Why is one growing but the other not? They're both spinach. They're on the same wall of my house and the same spot, but only one is growing. I water them at the same time. Is it because of the smaller pot? And that's why it's not growing. So maybe I need a bigger pot. I live in New Jersey, so that can help you answer my question. Please answer it on the podcast. By the way, you know, New Jersey is the garden state. Yes. 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 Uh, tomatoes yes. didn't come from New Jersey, but they no, certainly they are famous for their tomatoes. Big research uh, facility at Rutgers about tomatoes and eggplant. They also have big research on cranberries, too. But yes, they grow lots of things in New Jersey. Great place to grow things. Is there a lot of swampland in New Jersey? Is that why cranberries are growing there? Um. That's southern New Jersey, and they do obviously have bogs. Okay. Yeah. All right. We learn something new every time here. So, the size of a plant, especially for growing food crops. Mm-hmm. A carrot has a long taproot. Carrot has a long taproot, and spinach can get quite large as a as a plant mm-hmm. unto itself, uh, and needs lots of nitrogen. You can over-fertilize spinach and... Obviously, you can over-fertilize many things, but spinach will take up excess nitrogen. But uh, And technically, a, a plant will grow in in a tiny, tiny pot. But for production of food and for ease of gardening, the bigger the container, the better. So, I think Frank answered his own question yeah. when he said, do I need a bigger pot? And I think the answer is absolutely yes. In fact, I would move the spinach and carrot up to something that's... Uh, Maybe over to that nine inch diameter one temporarily. Move the the spinach that's in the nine inch diameter to a fifteen inch diameter, and eventually move the the uh, spinach and carrot up to a fifteen inch diameter of its very own. I wish we knew how big these pots were as far as their total height. Right, because the taller would be better, especially for carrots. Yeah, four inch for a carrot, and there are cultivars of carrot that are very short. Yes. That are very stubby, sort of like our the thumb on our hand. Um, that would grow in a four inch pot, but it would be a lot of work. You'd be watering. It even gets hot in New Jersey. It even gets dry in New Jersey. You'd be watering and fertilizing all the time. I guess you could grow spinach in a one gallon container, which has dimensions of maybe eight inches across by what eight to ten inches tall. Mm-hmm. Yes, and harvest very regularly. Yeah, but the, and then get the baby spinach out of it. That would be good. I wouldn't try carrots in a one gallon. No, though. I wouldn't either. I'd move it up to a two or a five. Yes. Uh, but yeah, uh, the bigger the pot, the happier they'll be. Yep. Hope that answers your question, Frank. Debbie Flower, thanks for helping us out here. You're welcome, Fred. 
Are you thinking of growing fruit trees? Well, you probably have a million questions, like which fruit trees will grow where I live? What are the tastiest fruits? How do I care for these trees? The answers are nearby, they're just a click away, with the informative fruit tube video series at DaveWilson.com. That's Dave Wilson Nursery, the nation's largest grower of fruit trees for the backyard garden. They've got planting tips, taste test results, links to nurseries in your area that carry Dave Wilson fruit trees. Your harvest to better health begins at DaveWilson.com. The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast has a lot of information posted at each episode. Transcripts, links to any products or books mentioned during the show, and other helpful links for even more information. Plus, you can listen to just the portions of the show that interest you. It's been divided into easily accessible chapters. And you're going to find more information about how to get in touch with us. You can leave an audio question without making a phone call. You do it via SpeakPipe. Go to speakpipe.com slash garden basics. It's easy. Give it a try. If you're listening to us via Apple Podcasts, put your question in the ratings and review section. You can text us questions and pictures or leave us your question at 916-292-8964. That's 916-292-8964. And you can email us, fred at farmerfred.com. And please tell us where you're from, because that'll help us greatly accurately answer your garden questions. Because after all, all gardening is local. In the show notes, you'll find links to all our social media outlets. That includes Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Also, you'll find a link to the farmerfred.com website. And thanks for listening. Every week here on the Garden Basics Podcast, we like to talk with Warren Roberts out at the UC Davis Arboretum. He is their superintendent emeritus, one of the most knowledgeable plant people you could ever possibly find. We're lucky to have him. And today's plant is a California staple, but it can be grown throughout a lot of the United States, and you can even grow it indoors. It's the oleander, Warren, the freeway plant, as it's known here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, in California, it uh, was planted along miles and miles of our freeways as a way of uh, dividing the traffic, shielding the, um, the beams of the oncoming traffic. And then if somebody wasn't careful a careful driver it would keep them from going off into the other into the other direction at oleander nerium n-e-r-i-u-m oleander beautiful fragrant flowers the typical form in the wild which is the mediterranean basin that's where it's native or where most of it is native anyway uh is a light pink kind of the same pink as the uh, the amaryllis belladonna the in the summertime in the mediterranean the, um, the gravelly soil along the streams is often a monoculture of this plant. And so you see these pink uh, stripes going off into the bare uh, straw-colored hills. It can be grown as a tree in time. Some of the old estates in California, you'll see an oleander tree with a trunk that might be a foot thick or so. But it's typically a multi-stem shrub, a large shrub. And there are many select forms of it all the way from pure white to almost red to very pale yellow and everything in between and uh, ones that have the typical five uh, petals and then some that have double petals as well it's easily grown from cuttings and so if you are in a climate where you 
where the ground freezes and where it gets very cold, you could take cuttings, uh, root them, overwinter them in in a sheltered place, and then plant them out again when the weather gets mild. It's a very durable plant, and it doesn't require much water once it's established. No, it, it looks very lush growing, and the if you take a microscope out and look at the leaves, the the uh, breathing pores on the leaves are contained within a uh, little jar-shaped structure that opens out uh, out to the outside air with without much space. So it, it does not lose water easily. The leaves do not lose water easily. Mm. And that's one reason it is, is successful in dry climates. It's, uh, it is poisonous. It is very poisonous. Uh, we have some horses, so we don't have only oleanders. Because a, a child offering a posy to a horse, it could cause really could cause trouble. Yeah, in a place where that could be an issue, it's not something to plant. Now, the poisonousness is it affects the heart, and so you have to be careful. <laughs> but don't use it for uh, for uh, roasting hot dogs, for example. People have died from that. Yeah, um, and keep it off your burn pile too. Yes, yeah, some people are are uh, irritated by the smoke, and some people actually can get dermatoxicity from it to poison oak like. But it is so beautiful and so tough and so easy that if you know these things, well, you know them and then can be careful. It's like fire. Fire is wonderful, but we know that it, has, it can be dangerous as well. Thank you, Mr. Flintstone. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, fast-growing, dense natural hedge and is often used uh, for that purpose. My favorite of the Olander is a white-flowered form, a select form called Sister Agnes, or Sir Hanier, I guess. I, I wish I could speak French. Sister Agnes, at any rate. And this particular cultivar is uh, twice the size of any of the others. It is a great uh, choice for privacy screen. Now, if you have... If you are in areas that snow, this is a plant that can get damaged in the winter. But large areas of the uh, of the United States and other areas of the world that have Mediterranean climates or subtropical climates, this can be uh, grown easily. There is um, the most beautiful planting of it that I think I've ever seen is the upper terrace at the Generalife Palace at the Alhambra in Spain. It's a long, long terrace, about a block long, I guess, with an armature of uh, iron uh, rods that's made into a long tunnel. And the oleanders are trained onto this. And in the summertime, as you walk along, the, the subdued light and the fragrance of the flowers is a magical experience. Not many people know about this, but it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it, of course, could be produced in other areas as well. To prune an oleander, I guess early spring is the best time to do it. Wear some gloves and uh, probably just cut out the old wood that's already flowered. Well, yes, and or, or do nothing. Or yes, that's my favorite. <laughs> that's my favorite as well. But if you want to, you can actually train train it into a a, a small tree. It's the oleander, a great plant, Nerium oleander, great for the sun belt, and even in colder climates, you could grow it in a pot, bring it indoors in the wintertime. 
Warren Roberts is the superintendent emeritus of the UC Davis Arboretum and Public Garden. The Arboretum is open seven days a week. Next time you're in Northern California, visit Davis, visit the Arboretum. For more information about it, you can visit their website, arboretum.ucdavis.edu. Plan of the week, the Nerium Oleander. Thank you, Warren. You're welcome, Fred. Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday. It's brought to you by Smart Pots. Garden Basics is available wherever podcasts are handed out, and that includes Apple, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, Google, Podcast Addict, Castbox, and Pocket Casts. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate it.